Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. And welcome back to more My Mate Bought a Toaster. My name's Tom Price. Um, so, on the show today, Steve Bujaya, brilliant stand-up comic, sickeningly young. He's about 10 years younger than me. Uh, but he's very, very funny, and I think you're going to really enjoy this episode. A little bit of admin. I'm going to take a couple of weeks off. I've got loads more episodes to come, uh, but I think we're going to have a little mid-term break. Maybe a half-time sort of vibe a reading week or two maybe two weeks off uh, and you can listen back to episodes you've not listened to or listen to other podcasts you're free to do that if you must uh so this will be the last episode before a little half-term break um steve Bouger, it's so much fun to talk to this guy i always enjoy catching up with him if you've not heard of him before look up his ted talk on uh, teaching at a summer camp in the states really really interesting funny funny man uh and the beginning of the episode was quite a weird one it's quite <laughs> we were just sort of talking uh, about the podcast and who first came on and all sorts of nonsense. So there isn't really a kind of big old hello and welcome uh, from me this week. We just sort of started talking and well, you'll hear how it evolves. Enjoy the episode. Thanks for listening. Do you know who the first guest on this show was who I couldn't believe agreed to do it? Jeff Bezos. Yes, yes. He came on. He was like, let's talk. I'll talk about all the things. And he gave you his um, password and he's like, oh, that breaks all the rules at Amazon. Mate, his, uh, what, what do you think Jeff Bezos's password is? There's a, I mean, there's some speculation right I there. mean, it can't be as secure as you'd think it. Like, I bet it's just like Jeff 10, you know? <laughs> I bet he adds a zero, an extra zero every other day. You know, when you find out a famous person's email address and you're like, oh, that's just that's just your name at hotmail.com. It's a bit underwhelming that they haven't got a more cryptic uh, yeah. email address. There is a brilliant one, which um, David Attenborough's. Do you know what David Attenborough's actual email address is? <laughs> Please tell me. Yeah. Oh, that is fantastic. Isn't it just? Isn't it just? Did he think of that or has someone done that? I don't. Has he got a team? Maybe. One would think he's probably got a team, but then he's a he's a sharp guy. He's a sharp individual, Attenborough. That is so smart. I know, mate. I know. Well, you're still what pissing the... around on Hotmail like me. No, I've no. actually, I've, what that is, is my like burner email that I yeah. use for signing up to stuff. So I've got a Gmail account that does the business stuff. Um, I, I, I sort of think of my Hotmail account as... Um, kind of like a sex slave in the basement who just is just te- awful things happening to it do you know what i mean i just yeah, let it yeah. i let it take terrible punishments just all your dark fantasies get taken out on your hotmail account while your gmail thinks you're like a really nice guy <laughs> yes yes gmail's like he's so smart and polite and then hotmail's like you fucking you kidding you seen what he signs up to it's disgusting 
I mean, I just let it deal with the most amount of spam you can like from, you know, garden furniture websites, you know, anything I've signed up to that I don't really want to hear from. That's hot now. Yeah, yeah. Our, our secret identities as told by our uh, email addresses. Uh, all right, well, let's find out about your true identity and we're going to dive into your Amazon account. Let's go back first of all, right? I'm going back to the beginning of your um, Amazon purchase history, as we always do on this show. This is um, going to be... I, I literally cannot remember anything that I've bought. Well, let's remind you. Let's see if this jogs your memory. Um, 2006, three <laughs> items ordered in 2006. So I'm 16 at this point. Oh, good. God, so you're 16-year-old, Steve Bajer. And yeah, that makes sense. You've bought a lot of GCSE revision <laughs> guides. That does make sense, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, there you go. That matches up. So you've got the GCSE double science physics revision guide. You've got a GCSE French revision ah. guide. We've got chemistry. We've got biology. So look, we're looking at sciences and we're looking at languages as well. So what they were, mate, was they were my weak subjects. That's a lot of subjects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like science and language is not me. Like maths I can do, uh, you know, like more written stuff I was good at. But the science stuff, I just I couldn't do it. And uh, that's probably why I resorted to throwing money at the situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the, that was the sort of analogue version of getting a tutor. Everyone these days yeah. seems to get private tutors or does a Zoom tutor. But this is, this is you know, this is the uh, slate, the, the, no. the, the, the chalk and slate version of a tutor. Yeah, I mean, my mum couldn't afford a tutor, but she was happy for me to buy my own revision material on Amazon. Thanks, mum. Thanks, mum. Yeah, cheers. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you'll dedicate your first book to her for helping you. Yeah. Um, my book about science, which actually I'm now a genius. It's uh, Well, I was going to say, because you go on to, um, what did you go on to study with? you left school you, you... i did politics philosophy and economics so the, the old ppe classic the old classic. ppe not not in the um not in oxford though so it's not proper but uh i did it in manchester which is slightly oh. less less oh uh, uh, you did uh, less, uh, less prestigious mickey mouse ppe yeah 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 you don't get a degree yeah. you get a pair of ears at the end yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah yeah but yeah it was still it was the proper manchester uni it just was you know i could tell people do ppe but i just don't need to mention where from Although, to be honest, I think it, it makes me a lot more likeable if I don't do it at Oxford. People get very, um, uh, and I'm not saying you are, but I have discovered people are quite defensive about where they went to university. Oh, yeah. You, like it's, because I guess it's in, from, in many ways, it's the first time you really choose a big movement in, in the chess game that is life. This is the first time you're really moving your, your queen and your king when you go to, when you choose your university. It's a big statement you're making about yourself, isn't it? Definitely. And I think also they choose you. So it's actually quite personal, isn't it? So uh, like yes. Warwick, for example, I can't sit here and tell you I went to Warwick because they rejected me. Oh, um, guess I, where I went? I guess where to... I went? Oh, fuck off, Tom Price. Did you go to Warwick? You know what? Dude, dude. I, think it's a, I, think, I think it's a shit uni. I think it's a shit uni for people who aren't, who aren't, who are too scared to go to a city. That's what it was. That's, that's what I think. That's what where, I think. It's where small, it's, it's what small town uh, people think of as a city. That's exactly The campus is. is basically centre parks. When I went round it, it was like, oh, this is just like being in centre parks. There's no jeopardy here at all. And I, at the time, I was an 18, I liked it. But when I was immersed in the sort of realness of Manchester, I was like, no, this is what I'm about. I'm, where I'm were the, you from then originally? Where were you leaving I'm to from, go to uh, university? Bishop Stortford in Hertfordshire. So just a sort of very uh, commuter market town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I was terrified of going to a city, um, you know, because I just wasn't, I didn't like clubbing. I didn't like drinking that much. So I saw, mm. oh, that isn't going to be really me. Um, I'd rather go to Warwick where all the sort of wusses go. Um, That's but, what I did. That's, <laughs> That's made to a tea. Yeah. I think probably if they'd let me in, I would have ended up there and my life would be very different now. 
Maybe I'd be a DJ on Magic. But, um. <laughs> you can dream, mate. Okay, so we're both small market town boys because I went to a market. I went to. I, I grew up in a market town as well. And that, Where was that? Uh, Monmouth in South Wales. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, similar sort of, it was a commuter town for, for Cardiff, really. Um, but it does uh, it, it does define you. Small town Britain is, a, is an interesting thing. Cause so many people come from towns, but they, they seem to shed that town skin very quickly. Yeah, and also I'm always quite jealous of people particularly comics who have like an identity you know like they come from Liverpool and they're a scouser or they come from Newcastle and they're a Geordie and it's like I just have this like you know home counties town and don't you know you don't really can't really put a fan base from Bishop Stortford um so I'm always uh, a little bit envious of people who have that kind of strong even London to some extent you know you have a feeling of being in London yes yes but yeah Bishop Stortford's very sort of you know, commutary. Everyone works in London. They mm. all get up at 6am and go to the train station and park the car in the overpriced car park. You know, everyone has that lifestyle. Mm. Um, so we, um, I wasn't exposed. You know, I was talking to um, someone the other day that I didn't really know anyone creative when I was growing up. Like everyone I knew, all my parents, my friends' parents and stuff were all like serious lawyers or like quite successful, but like all just like, like office people. Mm. And I, and then I met someone who was saying that they hung out with poets and writers. And I was like, oh my God, that must have been amazing to actually know people who like did something creative because it just was so alien to me. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that is exactly the same as me. That is exactly the same as me. Really? This is something I've never really dug into this before, but this, uh, and it's born, I think the reason that it's hard to complain out about it is because it's born out of tremendous uh, middle-class privilege to grow up in a very, yes. very nice small town. So, that you know, I have to very much apologise for that before I can go on and moan about the fact that there is no, there is no easily accessible, gritty identity to be had, whether it's London, whether it's, you know, growing up by the sea or like you say Liverpool or Edinburgh or any of these big sort of cities which, which come with this kind of almost ready-made sense of self yeah we are in this we are in this kind of middle-class fog it's weird yeah and it, and it feels like the fact that my middle-class town was similar to your middle-class town just makes it even worse because it's like <laughs> there's just, just loads of them around and we've all yes. got these same boring existences <laughs> and actually yeah I was actually very happy there but um it's just not a place for creativity I don't think it's a very like uh, it suffocates you a bit with that mm. lifestyle, and I, some people love it. I guess I've got friends who are still there and are happy. I think mm. uh, not that good to them. Obviously, I've, I've... <laughs> I was going to say that is good friends, very strong friends, very yeah. close. To them. Very I close think to them. once you move out, I'm done. You know, and also my mum doesn't live anymore, so I, uh, I've got no reason to go back other well, than this, to occasionally sell tour tickets. This is uh, quite right too. This is an indication that you are uh, c- compiling the qualifi- qualifications to to get out of there at this point in uh, 2006, buying your uh, yes. your revision books. How, how did you get? On in your, I mean, this is a this is a conversation I've not had since I was about seventeen. What what, what did you get for your GCSEs? Um, did all right. I think I got three A stars, six A's, and a B. This isn't a, this isn't a podcast. This has become a conversation in a student bar in for me the late nineties. <laughs> So April 2006, you have bought Athens 2004 on the PlayStation 2. Oh, yes. That is, um, yeah, the Olympic game. Um, I loved that game. Um, And to run really fast, you had to just tap the X and the O really quickly. And I don't mind telling you, I was very good at it. Like I had extremely good fingers at Mm. speed, which, Mm. you know, has not served me well in later life but that that particular skill has been fantastic also who knew that when you were typing xoxo 
on your PSD. That was great, you know, great practice for putting some affection at the end of a text message. That's so true. Yeah. Several years yeah. later. You know what I mean? Yeah. That is, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's making you a more loving person digitally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just me. Just Why did you put so many, Steve? Well, I was running the 100 metres uh, at the time <laughs> when, I, yeah, when I wrote great. it. How, mu- how much do you love me? I love you 200 metres hurdles. <laughs> yeah. I did a 1500 meters for you. Yeah. <laughs> Good game though. Good game. I used to play with my brother. Um, and yeah. I think we um, we got the previous one as well, Sydney. Uh, as, but, but that won't have been on Amazon. That would have been at play.com maybe. Play.com. Uh, do you remember play.com? The oh. real loser of the internet story. Really is like a digital Woolworths, wasn't it? Go yeah, on. exactly. Digital Woolworths. Yeah. Really sad story actually because I, I like what they did. I like how they did it. But yeah. clearly not enough people did. I, I, I remember the enthusiasm of Play.com. Amazon.com, uh, or .co.uk, it's your choice, had a um, sort of, oh, yeah, Amazon's good. Whereas Play.com had, oh, have you tried Play.com? Do you know what I mean? People had a bit more enthusiasm and excitement when it was Play.com. It was a bit alternative. It was quirky, you know? It was, it was like, um, I don't know what the equivalent is now, but it's like getting your, your going to Shoreditch to buy your clothes or something. I don't know, somewhere different, you know, um, <laughs> somewhere cool. I like getting I like getting nostalgic about websites. That's all we've got yeah. to be nostalgic about now. D- digital space. Yeah, yeah. Um, I try to think what else I would. Uh, Play dot com was the big one I miss. I used to go on wrestling websites a lot that I miss. You know, there was a re- the website I used to go on called wrestlingexposed dot com, and I looked it up recently. And it's just gone. It just doesn't. They've got no more exposing of wrestling. Um, Why would you take that down? So were you in? Were you into your wrestling? Were you a oh, WWF mate. man? Oh, I was god. so into wrestling. I was like, oh my god! It was from like seven years old. I was just obsessed with Stone Cold Steve Austin, and uh, which is weird that I related into related to a sort of Texas uh, Republican so hard, but uh, <laughs> I did. Um, and he, um, I just used to go when when they came to Earl's Court in London. I would go, yeah. um, and I remember being so excited the first time I went. I made myself sick. Like I was literally <laughs> so excited, I vomited. And that's how uh, how much I loved wrestling. And here's a funny talking about purchases. Yeah. When Woolworths closed down, as aforementioned, um, me and my friend Joel saw that they were selling wrestling belts for a pound because they were just getting rid of the stock. Mm. And we honestly thought, well, this is a brilliant investment. We are going to buy, you know, like the replica toy belts. Mm. We're going to buy 50 of these belts <laughs> for 50 pounds. Because like, they, they sell for like 20 quid. We're like, we're, this is so smart. Oh we're my the God. the smartest people ever. You see, this, this makes sense because here on 2nd of December 2007, you've bought Transport Economics 4th Edition. So this is a guy who understands economics and we yeah. see it now in this Woolworth story. Go yeah. on. Brilliant. I mean, it was around that time, actually. It was probably, uh, maybe I was 18. Because what I, my main memory was we bought 50 belts thinking, yeah, we'll shift these on eBay like so quickly. Mm. And it took three years. And... <laughs> Joel had them in his garage for three years when I went to university and every so often would get a message going, someone's bought a belt. And we'd be like, oh, that's great. Didn't even speak to Joel at the end of university and he still had some of the belts that we'd bought. <laughs> what, were you, what were they going for if you bought them for a pound each? Well, you know, we wanted to sell them for like 15, 20, but in the end we, they were going for about five, six pounds, you know, was, and not including postage, you know, we were just giving them away for free, really. It was an absolute disaster. Yeah. Well, you know, you've got to you fail your way up. This is this is how Alan Sugar started selling belts from Woolworths. In the yeah. It's a very similar thing. Very similar yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, Amstrad-esque behaviour from Steve Bujaya on My May Bought a Toaster there. All right, so that's 2007. And here's an interesting question, and I, I, I'm only asking this because I'm kind of applying this to myself, but I think that it was the wrestling, because I was into wrestling uh, when I was a kid. Not so much that I was physically sick, 
Like, yeah, you didn't, that, you're not a real fan, but yeah, go on. That, that is absolutely delicious. Like, <laughs> just the, how old were you when this happened, by the way? When you were oh, like 19? No, um, <laughs> no, I was uh, probably eight or nine. Just, and I just, I was staying at my dad's house and he, because he was taking me. And I just got myself so excited in the morning of it that I've just vomited everywhere. <laughs> And he was like, "Oh, maybe you're too ill to go." I'm like, "No, it's the opposite. I'm, 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 I'm I need to go because I'm ill." I can imagine you sort of wiping the sick from your chin. No, Dad. No, I'm fine, Dad. Just, Honestly, just, these are this is happy vomit. It's like happy tears. This is this is this is smiley vomit. Oh God. Um, but I really, I really fell for Americana because of. The wrestling that is what really got me into yes. Americana stuff, and 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 this brings us back to what we talked about at the beginning. Um, you end up going on the um, uh, I was about to say scout camp, it's not scout camp. You end up <laughs> you end up going to America uh, to do this thing which you talked about in the TED talk. So do you think oh, do you, summer camp? Yeah, yeah, summer camp. So do you think that the wrestling was a, a kind of gateway drug to, to the summer camp moment? Maybe. I mean, I definitely liked America and I was excited about it. But I think the summer camp thing more came about because I was obsessed with not wasting my summers in between uh, university because I was just a bit of a geek. Like when I I just like wanted the best CV imaginable so that when I applied for my civil service job that I was sort of destined to become, uh, <laughs> I would have a really good CV. That was basically what I was obsessed with. And also I wanted to have a fun summer. But then obviously I discovered stand up comedy and it just, uh, I guess, ruined my life uh, and mm. took me off course. Um, and, you know, Unfortunately, the comedy store doesn't really care whether you've been uh, to the summer camp when you were 19. It's, it's, they don't, Don Ward doesn't check that CV. Um, but, if, uh, if, there was a, if there was a CV for comedians, it would have to include more things like lack of parental love. Yeah, know, to, childhood uh, neglect. Uh, yeah, I, I suffered childhood neglect from 1989 to 1996. Excellent. That's a good seven years, a yeah. good run of childhood. So that's no that's hugs good. Yeah, for I think seven years. You can do years. a 10. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You're through. You're through. Yeah, I got bullied in year eight. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah that would oh, do really excellent. well. You can you can go, you can have a room in the Pleasants. You've got a, you've got a parental death. You're headlining, mate. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's what you're <laughs> yeah. Um, 2009, right, Steve Bajaya. We're moving on. 2009. I just, I love this because I love the name of this product, but also what it looks like. You've bought, you spent £6.74, right? This is when yeah. you're living in Manchester. So this is when you're at university yes. doing, doing Mickey Mouse PPE. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll get tweets about that. Uh, and you bought the Trust MC fifteen hundred design microphone. Now this, yeah. Now this is to describe this microphone. This is like a microphone you might see at the uh, reception area in a supermarket. If you have to go and complain about something in a supermarket, it has a kind of it has a kind of fat base unit, and then there's just a stick going straight up. You can imagine someone pressing the button on it and just making an announcement: all aisles, all aisles. Uh, oh. We have a, we have a code six in the fruit and veg department. Is it- one well, it's obviously those. not expensive. It's six pounds. Um, I can't mm. think what that would be. When was it? 2009? here, mate. Yeah. What yeah. month we're we talking? Um, we're talking Feb. We're talking 13th of Feb. So it's the day so before I Valentine's was, Day. Maybe this was... 2009. Let's think what I was doing. Oh, maybe it was a Valentine's <laughs> present for me. Um, <laughs> I I can't think of what that was. I mean, it certainly wouldn't have been... I was very single, so it wouldn't have been a Valentine's present. Um, I think that was the Valentine's Day that I... Um, went on a date with a girl who I was obsessed with and my friend had to come with me um, with with her friends. So it sort of made it a double date, but they weren't dating. They were just friends. But right. that was the only way that I would had the guts to go. And um, 
and uh, we just spent the date talking and it became very clear that it was just a double friendship date. Mm. <laughs> it's awful. Anyway, I don't know where the microphone, I don't know what the microphone was about. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know what it might have been actually? I had a student radio show as part of my quest to have the best CV. Uh, I was I had a student radio show and I became the station manager, but don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> I, um, so it might have been that I was recording stuff in my bedroom, maybe for my show. That might that makes sense. This is what this is how it works, though. This is what I was like. You, if you are if you are the um, the market town non creative boy trying to trying to break into a creative world. Hey guys, who wants to do admin? I'll do it. I'll take the admin on. Yeah. Yes. Let me do that. Absolutely. Like I was. Uh, I was so into the idea of being a station manager that I was like, yeah, I can do all the spreadsheets. I'll schedule the thing. And everyone's like, you know, this isn't the fun bit of radio. I'm like, no, I love it. I love it. Uh, let me do it in a meeting. Let's have a meeting. Yeah. I'm working in radio. I'm working in radio. Yeah, um, yeah. So we're in 2009. Uh, Steve, you're at Manchester University. You're running the student radio station. Um, yeah. October 2010, you've bought an absolute classic. An absolute classic. It's come up once or twice before on My Mate Bought a Toaster. Uh, I had one as well. The Flip Video Ultra Camcorder Second oh. Generation. Yes, absolutely. And actually, I only got rid of it about uh, six months ago. Um, oh. I've used it the whole time. I've recorded all my Edinburgh previews on it. I've taken it to every uh, Edinburgh and Melbourne or whatever. It's always been with me, that flip camera. It's, it's served me very, very well. It's so They're so great because it's basically a USB stick with a camera attached to it. And yeah. it yeah. is... The, the simplicity the simplicity of it it just works it just works oh it just worked it just worked it's got absolutely loads of reviews um hundreds of reviews uh brought this product to use on my granddaughter i'm not sure that's how you'd on on your granddaughter. yeah i'm not sure that's the best semantics there no <laughs> wow see? that's not what the usb stick's for but okay <laughs> God. I find it fantastic as it just slips in my pocket and I take it everywhere with me for that unpredicted moment. Then I just plug it yeah. in the computer and it instantly produces the video, which I make into a movie and send to my daughter in Australia. Hashtag, hashtag. That's oh, that's saying. nice. I mean, you've got to think this is before camera phones, really, like proper mm. camera phones. So it was pretty magical to be able to just record something. It was It was a glimpse of the future when uh, before we'd get bored of it, because obviously now I'm... I'm I joylessly film things, you know, like my kids were uh, playing a stupid game with each other last night and I just started filming it because I was like, this is beautiful. But inside, Aww. but yeah, but inside I was like, this is beautiful. I'd better film it. Whereas if I'd had a flip 13 years ago, I'd have gone, oh, get, get, grab the flip, grab, grab the flip quick when they record this. It's really lovely what they're doing. Do you know what I mean? This is when it was yeah, still it's precious. it's too easy now. It's too easy. It's too easy. Yeah, I get that. The thing with my flip cameras, I used to have stuff on there. I would, I'd be nervous to delete any videos um, mm. because I'd be in between laptops and I was like, oh no, that video is really precious. So basically I just end up no space on the on the flip camera because I, I was keeping stupid rubbish, you know? Yeah, digital hoarding. Digital hoarding, yeah. yeah, yeah. God knows I, what was on there. Nothing do, exciting. Do you, do you have, I've got a lot of hard drives with, it's interesting, you still can't say that without it sounding somehow dirty. It's a shame that people... Sounded like an incredible humble brag. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a lot of hard drives. The, the one thing you need to know about me is I have an abundance of hard drives. <laughs> Tom Price, terabytes of the stuff. But I have, I've got, because I've, I've always, I'd always do this often on Amazon. I'd buy gigabytes of hard drives and I'd stick on the photos and the videos. And usually, you know, 10 years plus ago, I'd put on various pirated videos. And uh, they, they just sit there. They're, I'm never going to, I'm never going to put them on again. Like, I don't know. I just feel like it's, uh, it's un it's undermined completely unnecessary isn't it i mean i once had a, a hard drive everything on there and i just once dropped it on a stone floor and that was it gone oh. <laughs> everything gone oh. so actually it made it less secure putting it in that place in the end yeah 
Yeah, exactly. If you'd printed them out, they'd have been perfectly safe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, all right, 2011 then. Um, you know, still in Manchester, you can tell because you've bought a uh, Xbox 360 wireless controller, still working hard. Wow, did I? Mm. £22.49 on that. Well, this is when I'm starting to earn money, isn't it? You can tell. Um, I, uh, I think that was when I was living... 2011. Yeah, I was probably, I just graduated. I was living still like a student in Fallowfield, Manchester, uh, with my friends who were doing like fourth years, and I was trying to be a stand up comedian. Um, and probably the, the, my first <laughs> thought was to get an Xbox controller because <laughs> I had a lot more time on my hands than I, than I had previously. <laughs> I'm going to need that. We once, um, we, I remember for that house, we got a, a TV that was like a back projector TV because we got it free off free cycle and we had to go and collect it. And it was the biggest thing I've ever seen. You know, like the projector was actually in the back of the TV. So it honestly went back about half a meter, like not exaggerating. And what? it just sat in our tiny little lounge. It was ridiculous. <laughs> it was huge. The the race, the race for screen estate is insane, isn't it? That it, it's that started to recess a bit now, hasn't it? But it there were the the sort of the the hyperinflation to use a you know a term that a PPE yeah. student will be very happy with. Uh, yeah, we had a good. kind of we had a kind of Weimar Republic scenario with TV sizes, didn't we? It was insane. Yes, and now I feel like we've realised that actually the size of your TV doesn't make you happier. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't well, make you happier. I just I, I found myself buying a massive TV, and actually in a tiny tiny flat, and actually having to physically move my head to to watch the action it was so big that like that's not how you, you shouldn't watch the tv, TV. Was bigger than your eyes were capable of seeing yeah yeah it was so it was weird i was literally do, having to flip my head from side to side do you know what i mean that that's, that's i mean you know the solution to that bigger house yeah yeah bigger house don't maybe, don't blame the tv maybe that's why people move to market towns in the first place maybe that's, <laughs> yeah, that's to be able to see their tv <laughs> yeah maybe I Hello, my name is Pete Ellison. This is Dave Cribb. Hello, and we do a podcast called Friends with Friends, as you might have guessed from the music that's playing underneath, uh, which is a sort of lo-fi rendition of the Friends theme tune for rights reasons. We get a different guest on every week on our podcast to talk about their favourite episode of Friends. And we look through it in excruciating detail. We pick through levels of plots like no one has ever done before. So if you like Friends or just listening to people talking, which are both valid activities, do look us up on the old podcast app than that friends with friends and we're on twitter at friends wf ready to pop the question the jewelers at blue have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. First of March 2011, as you're getting towards the end of your degree, um, some good new Labour stuff here. Uh, Peter Mandelson, the third man, life at the heart of new Labour. Uh, Brown at 10 uh, by yeah. Anthony South. Now, is this because of your degree or because you were interested in it? No, this is dissertation time. Um, oh, okay. This is, uh, I was doing, my dissertation was on Gordon Brown. <laughs> um, and it was about, it was like, uh, basically saying Gordon Brown was a good prime minister. That was kind of the vibe. Mm. Um, I was very pro New Labour at the time. Um, and uh, That's nothing to be ashamed of. You, you are in a safe New Labour space, certainly sure. in terms of this recording. My, my listeners may not agree, but I'm, yeah. They had the ups and downs, didn't they? Um, <laughs> but I felt Gordon Brown was a tragically overlooked man. You know, he's just a, he, was a, he seemed nice, you know? He just seems like a good guy. He does now, but what is it with this thing, millibanditis, where when they're in charge, you think they're dickheads. As soon as they leave, yeah, yeah, you're like... You're lovely, Ed Miliband. Yeah. Go, go and have another go. William Hague did it as well. He was a terrible leader, but but became yes. a, he's a, Hague was a pretty model. and like Ed Balls as well. Ed Balls got it big time, big time. So again, a reverse Clegg. Fucking hell, it's a big time reverse Clegg because he's uh, that's true. Become monstrously tainted by his Facebook yes. stuff. But but um, uh, do, do you ever think about? Would you ever dive into politics? Um, I have thought about it, actually. I think I would love to. Because I, I just like the, I, I don't know, I genuinely get excited about politics and policy and changing people's lives and stuff. But then I also think, ah, it's quite serious, isn't it? It's quite, it's quite, it's quite a lot of work, that. Uh, and I don't know, I've got the, um, I think after doing 10 years of being a comedian writer, I think I just can't uh, take things that seriously. Can't be that sincere for that long. Yeah. Um, and imagine, uh, you know, imagine being in the House of Commons and just saying, ah, oh, just starting to use your stand-up skills yeah. on the opposition leader. Like, yeah, your mum. You know what I mean? You, you yeah, can't exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Doing the hotmail stuff, doing the hotmail <laughs> Gmail routine at the uh, at the dispatch box. Um, I think I don't know. I genuinely, I think in the future I would like to be more involved. I often think about going to Labour Party meetings and canvassing, and that is something I want to do, but I never do it. Like it gets right to the election, I'm like, oh, I've got an Edinburgh show though. All right, we'll, we'll wait another four years. Um, I, but I, I maybe I'll change that. Couldn't agree more. I am a member of a political party. And mm. uh, the, the number of emails I get about ex- local canvassing arrangements, about local elections to various committees and boards, it's fucking endless and confusing and boring. Yeah. And if you want to become an MP, you need to you need to wade through that treacle for a decade or more. Yeah, you've got to like open. It's like comedy actually. You've got to sort of be an open spot politician for ten years going yeah. around the country. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I don't know if the prize at the end of it's worth it. No, well, that's exactly my point. And at the end of it, you get to be hated, like, hated, and yeah. get so much abuse. Yeah, you know. but like all my friends who did PPE with me at Manchester are like now civil servants, or they you know work for political like organisation stuff. So they're all like got really serious jobs. And sometimes when we meet up and they're like debating the world's issues. I sort of like catch myself going, I used to care about this. Like I did really genuinely have so many opinions about this stuff, mm. but I just don't as much. Like I still have opinions, but I just don't feel as a, uh, you know, I want to talk about, um, you know, like the latest sitcom that's come out. And I, just, <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know what changed. I don't know. I don't know what point that happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's odd, isn't it? Do you think, it, do you think it's when you sort of, you kind of, you kind of find your little corner of the world that you're really happy in and yes. you, you shut all you shut all the windows and draw all the curtains and, and you're kind of like yeah i'm i'm in my bit now yeah and i'm with the comedy nerds now and i'm not yeah. i'm not leaving 
it's strange yeah. you sort of um you become kind of th- thematically tribal these, these are my bits i'm not coming over to your stuff anymore it's so true yeah. and, and and you hear people um talk about, and it's not even big issues could be could be stuff that you used to like as a kid like certain sports and stuff and you just hear your friends talk about it and you're like no i've I've absolutely left this behind now, lads. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, lads. I haven't got an opinion on uh, on Stoke or Steve Austin anymore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's the saddest thing I've ever heard. You've got to have an opinion on Stoke or Steve Austin. He does present a new show, actually, about it's like a uh, world's strongest man kind of show. And I saw him on that. And he's, um, he's doing it right for himself. Yeah. I'm glad he's well. I'm glad he's well. Yeah. Um, 7th of March 2012, one, alt- uh, one order placed in this year, and it is a defining stand-up order. This is the... Oh, here we go. This, this is, is... Well, this is... You know, I don't want this, this podcast to become too stand-up-y. No. Uh, because, you know, we do talk about... Um, uh, but, you know, when you're talking about the, the lives of comedians, it's inevitable that they will always buy a Casio men's digital bracelet watch, which is a... Oh, vib- there it is. That's the moment. The vibrating watch. That is the turning point. This is this is putting the uh, gown on and throwing your mortarboard in the air and graduating and becoming a comedian. This is a big moment. That is it. That You're right. This is amazing. Go for, it sort of pinpoints the moment my life changed. Um, yeah, that watch is what Hills Jago at Moose Moose told me to get. Mm-hmm. So I got it. And I, um, I then actually upgraded to a different stand-up watch, but I do still use the vibrating watch. Yeah, yeah. Because when so when you're on stage, this is the thing you get a you'll get a tight time limit, and it can be anything from eight minutes, twenty minutes, sometimes twenty five, thirty minutes if you're doing sets. And and one of the biggest taboos on the stand up circuit, certainly in this country, is overrunning. And yes. that is you just you just cannot do it. So what's great and about this? Looking at your phone or asking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How long you've been on? Did, did you ever hear about what Boothby Graffo uh, used to do? No. He he'd put he this is like twenty plus years ago. He'd he'd come on stage with a massive um countdown clock big digital old not digital a big old analog round countdown clock yeah. set it to set it to 20 minutes hit it and it was behind him so the audience could see it and it would have a bell that would go oh, off wow. it would have a bell that would go off at exactly 20 minutes and because he knew his set so well he would start the most incredible story at 18 minutes the most incredible funny story with the most wonderful uh, uh, developing plot and a yeah. series a series of almost you'd hear the audience gasping with oh my god what's going to happen and he'd get, and he'd always take the story to the point of oh, the big reveal's about to happen. Yeah, and then the clock would go off. Oh, that's amazing! And he'd pick it up and he'd walk off stage. <laughs> that is so funny. Just leave them. I love that. I mean, you do have that when your watch does go off and you're mid routine. You're like, oh, I've misjudged this. This is. <laughs> I've not. I can't end now. It's a weird ending. I've had so many like that. That's often when I would become at my funniest. When I'd done my time, I would be like, what? Yeah, I'd feel the watch go in off. In the green room? Well, yeah, I'm definitely one of those. But no, the, the the thing would buzz and I'd think, I've done 20 minutes, I can relax. And then all these lovely, spontaneous, freeing thoughts would pop into my head. And I'd be like, oh, why <laughs> It Basically, L'Esprit de l'Escalier while still on stage. And I'd be like, no, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. You should have faked it and have it vibrate in, at one minute and just riffed for, just yes. pretended you were overrunning by 19 minutes. Yes. But yeah, what a lovely moment in my Amazon history to, to yeah. know that's when I really took the plunge. But but here's the question. When you get to the stage you're at now, so this is, you know, seven or so years ago, what is the next obsession? When you are a successful, established, you know, doing very well stand-up True. comic, where where do you where do you put that energy now? Um that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know where that obs- I think maybe it just dilutes a bit because you're just a bit older and uh, Oh I, lovely I got, and jaded. Just get a dog. Yeah. I just got a right move a lot. I don't know if that's uh, <laughs> I don't know if that counts. I look at houses I can't afford. Is in that, market um, towns. In market towns. In market, no, not in market. It's usually in lo- 
London. I just I just look in like boroughs. I'm like, I'd love to live in Walthamstow and then uh, look at houses that I just can't afford to buy. Um, yeah. That's uh, that's my new passion, I guess. It's weird, isn't it? It's weird. But I'm exactly the same. And some people call that jaded. I think that's sort of been quietly content, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Or you're sort of living in a delusion. Uh, <laughs> a Walthamstow delusion. That's my next Edinburgh show is called. Actually. Uh, I think you should, uh, you should open up a little sort of artisan bakery called Walthamstow delusion just on the high street there. Yeah. But weirdly open it in uh, Lambeth just to confuse it. <laughs> Twenty fourteen, twenty eighth of April, twenty fourteen. Now this is interesting. You bought Bill Idelson's writing class, a script writing curriculum, on the Kindle. Ah, yes, that was when I was really getting into script writing. That's when I was like, right, I could do stand up in the evenings, but I need to do something else in the day. Um, and I, yeah, I got fully emerged in, that's probably what my passion is now, actually, like geeking out right. over sitcoms and script structure and all that kind of stuff. And it's fair to say, teeing you up for a massive show off, it's fair to say in the certain the last few months, that's come to fruition quite nicely. Well, yes, I have now got a sitcom, yes, yeah. <laughs> that has helped. Yeah. But, um, you know, we're seeing the early stage of that. Back in 2013, I had to start learning, you know, and only in 2021 do I get an ITV2 sitcom. There you go, kids. There you go. Wait another seven years and you could get ITV1. Yeah. Or maybe if I'd bought it in hardback rather than on Kindle, I'd be on ITV1 by now. <laughs> that is fantastic, though. Congratulations on your on your. Thank you. Call. I'm it, beyond excited. Of course. You're quite right, too. I mean, it's, it's I'd say, the pinnacle for, for anyone trying to be any kind of writer or do anything comedically is to get a sitcom up and running. Yeah. It was always the aim. It was always the aim. And I feel so lucky and I'm so excited for it to come out. And I'm really proud of it. And it's obviously an up and down experience, but overall, it's just, I just feel such elation that I've done it. And also, there's a kind of, I was talking to um, uh, my friend the other day about it's this feeling of like, oh, I've done it now. I've done the thing I wanted to do. So that the pressure's off now. I sort of feel like, not that I want to quit or anything. It's just like, ah, uh, you know, I can look back and I succeeded in that sense. And yeah. I'm never going to regret it all. I'll just yeah, be like, yeah, well, absolutely. I made that sitcom. It got axed after one series, but yeah, I made it. I made it. <laughs> No, that is exactly the right way to think about it. And that was actually, re- releasing the tension a bit will only make you more creative. But g- give us yes. give us a bit of a rundown, please. What is the sitcom about? What's it called? All, come on, give us the, give us the, yeah, the elevator spiel. pitch. Yeah. Uh, this is actually the first time I've spoken about it in public. Um, I It is called Buffering. It's on ITV2. It will be it will come out after Love Island in the summer um, in a very prestigious slot. Where, so, I mean, there'll be like three million people watching Love Island and, it, you know, they'll watch the first 10 seconds at least and then we'll see a, a, a steady decline in ratings. And it's really you... just about how many people turn off that's what we're that's, the, that's what we're looking at <laughs> you have got to include a lot of nudity in the first couple of minutes of that first well episode. you joke but there is a pretty sexually explicit scene fairly early on just to grab them you know just got to it, go, look please please watch a little bit longer yeah um but yes with ian sterling the voice of love and he's a very good friend of mine we wrote it together made it together uh with some other brilliant writers as well eleanor tin and, and christine robertson uh oh. And it's, yeah, it's, it's about a bunch of friends living in uh, in London together, sort of just trying to navigate their 20s, like just trying to work out. Um, we sort of, The way we sort of sell it is it's just a, uh, six uh, young people trying to learn that it's okay to fail. That it's, you know, like you don't need, your life doesn't need to be perfect. You can fuck up loads and it's still fine. And it's just, the sitcom's that, they're fucking up all the time, constantly, mm. and they're, they're still all right. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so true. It's so oh good, oh good. I'm, I'm, you know what? That isn't just for people in their twenties. People in their forties need to hear that as well. No, no, you, no, you, you, you can't. You got to stop fucking up, mate. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> that's, what, that's what we should now do. Uh, write some sort of sitcom for people in their 40s that does the exact opposite message. So you yeah, really... Yeah. Get your life in order, because this is embarrassing. <laughs> the TV's too big. You can't see it. Uh, excellent. All but right. Yes, I'm very excited about that it. And, uh, yeah, please, please watch it. Absolutely well. It's called, it's buffering, is it? Buffering, yes. Well, yeah. I will definitely, well, we're already plugging it on here and I'm more than happy to give it a plug on my uh, magic radio show, but I'm not sure how much the Venn diagram of uh, listeners hey, and viewers We will take for... everyone we can get, you know. We, we're going to get a lot of Love Island fans watching it, but we could do with some of those magic listeners, you know. Okay, all right. They're lovely people. They're good people. I'm, I'm, I'm one of them. Uh, all right, okay, uh, Steve, let's keep on ploughing through then. Um, moving into uh, 2016, or oh, a lovely Remington barber beard trimmer, £20 you've splashed on that my friend yeah yep 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 and that's uh ironic that i got into comedy before i'd really hit puberty that's what that <laughs> don't tell me that was your first shave uh it was my first electric shaver yeah 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 it was well i mean i've only recently bought an electric shaver they're they're a wonderful thing they are actually and it, that was a big moment when i realized you didn't have to dry shave every day uh, sorry wet shave i mean i didn't have to wet shave every day yeah um i was like oh people don't do that <laughs> people just trim it and uh i um i felt because I, I didn't um didn't, my dad didn't live with me growing up, so I feel like I missed out on some of the, just those basic man tips. Mm. Um, and I, I feel like someone should have told me way early on that I could just trim my beard. Well, you know, again, parallel lives. I remember being explained to about shaving by my... Uh, I was at boarding school. Ah. So by the, the boarding master, house master, was explained to me how to shave when I was about 14. And there was no idea of, of dry shaving. It was all about wet shaving. Yeah. And uh, my, that might... Maybe it's just, a time thing. Well, maybe. But but it occurs to me that, you know, if we were to compare our uh, our facial hair growth with, say, a lawn, like, <laughs> but when you're wet shaving, essentially you're stripping the turf every once a week. Yes, you are. You know what I mean? Whereas... You, it can't this, be good for your skin, can it? It's not good for your skin. And your skin has this horrible... When, when you've had a proper wet shave, your skin has this horrible sort of putty like kind of quality doesn't it well after you've had a mm. wet shave it's not it's not in a good place no no i think i'm gonna stick with the the dry shave from now on i don't see i don't look back now i don't you know i mean sure the elation of wipe uh shaving away the foam and seeing the skin underneath that is sure that's a nice feeling that but, is a nice feeling um, yeah i take it but not as a novelty not as a kind of chore it no, becomes a chore very a daily chore no you see, this is the great thing about this show. Every new item you buy is a is a rung on the ladder to improvement, right? Yeah. I mean, let me tell you, I had I bought that Remington one again. Uh, I'm very much right. a believer of if it's not broke, don't fix it. So and I, if uh, it is I, broke, replace it. Just replace it. Yeah, yeah. Replace exactly the same one. Uh, so I did that. And if the battery fails, just uh, use it at the mains. Um, and <laughs> I, but I've only recently switched to. In fact, Ian Sterling as a as a as a present for the sitcom got me a new shaver and uh it's a very nice new thing that um oh, really? i'm not a man for change you know so it's quite a big shift for me to give up my remington no no I, i'm not a fan of change and also um i always feel slightly annoyed when i when someone gets me because the one you've bought here is a 20 quid let's be honest bit of a cheapo and i bet ian yeah, with his love yeah. island cash has bought you something really nice what i don't like is yes. when i when i upgrade devices i feel bad for the my former self who's lived for years with the less good thing yeah i don't know i mean i i i i think i feel um more emotional towards that road than i do i think i'm, I'm more connected to that one you know it might mm. be cheaper but ultimately we were, we were closer mm. well yeah exactly that that knows your face better than you that thing you know? yeah yeah it really does and um, the other one that i replaced it with <laughs> and the other one. uh july 2016 twice you've bought a lovely sleep mask the soft snooze deluxe larger size sleep oh. mask yes well this is when I moved somewhere that uh, didn't have curtains. Um, 
and I instead of buying curtains, I thought I'll buy curtains for my eyes. Um, so that's, that's what that is. Well, what about? I mean, I've got I have many questions. Many questions. This is such a man approach to a problem like that. That's like I haven't got a sofa, so I'm going to strap a cushion to my ass. Yeah, yeah. I guess it is like that, and that's you know I don't begrudge someone doing that. <laughs> um, well, it was rented. It was a rented house. Rented house. So I couldn't. I'm not buying landlords some curtains. So I, um, you know, I can't take the curtains with me. So I, go, but I can take a face mask with me, can I? No, it makes no. I mean, when you when you put it like that, Steve. Yeah, you're getting very defensive about the. About this. Well, if I'm honest, Tom, you went on the offensive. You, you know, <laughs> you were pretty, pretty condescending about the old face mask. But, uh, it served me very well. I'm, I'm not condescending about the product. I'm condescending about the fact that you bought it because you didn't have any curtains, and and <laughs> you know you were living like you were in a hostel. That's all I'm getting condescending about. You know. Yeah. Come yeah. on, you were 26 old, 27 years old at this point. What year is it? 2017. 2017? 16. Oh, yeah, it's 27. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, come on. Yeah. Okay. No, that's, yeah, it doesn't reflect great on me, that. Um, but um, what can you do? How long did you go without curtains for? Well, the whole time I lived in that place. Um, at least a year and a half, I think. Yeah. <laughs> what about getting changed? Did it look, did it look out onto anything? Um, It was a, it was a, it was a basement, so no, it didn't look out to anything, but it weirdly let in more lights than you'd expect for a basement. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was the, that was true. So no, getting changed was fine. That wasn't a problem. Mm. Um, but the the light in the evenings, in the summer months, sure. If you're wondering, by the way, I have now got curtains. Okay, good. And I was going to say. Use a face mask. Okay. Okay. Good. Uh, it's not about getting around the studio's not curtains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of gossip. You know what? People from uh, tabloid newspapers listen to this podcast. That could be the headline. Just yeah. FYI. Just FYI. He's got a sitcom, but can't afford us some nets. You know, yeah, stuff, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, okay, what else have we got in 2017? Um, lovely. Uh, 21st of December. This looks like a Christmas present. The Yankee Candle Spiced Orange Jar. <laughs> Absolutely. That is a last minute panic Christmas present for my ex-girlfriend. Well, uh, okay, I'm glad it's an X because it was only £4.59. That is, with all due respect, oh, bless her. quite a cheap present. Bless her, that is, yeah, that's not good, is it? I think it was probably uh, not the main present, um, but I can't guarantee. I can't, <laughs> I can't remember what I got that year. But uh, it very, that, I think that, that, that stinks of uh, looking at what presents you've got. You've wrapped them up and you've gone, that's not enough. I need just another solid thing there. And that's, yeah. that's what that, that candle is. Present Noya. It's worth pointing out, uh, Steve, that... that... <laughs> Four days earlier. What did I buy? The Yankee Candle Summer Scoop Jar Candle Medium. So you've bought one of the candles. It's obviously then arrived at your house and you thought, that's good. I know what I'll do. I'll get her another one. <laughs> In a different smell. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously what's happened. Um, I was, you know, you got to do something to make the room nice because no curtains. So... Um, <laughs> You need it to smell nice with a candle. That's such a, again. That's such a man approach to buying presents. I this think, is a good present. I will do. Du- I will. I will duplicate. I will double down. I think they might have been for different people. I think maybe I got it for oh, my cousin God. or something like that. Right. So in that case, it gets worse because it means you got the medium-sized one for your cousin and the small one for your girlfriend. <laughs> Potentially, and ultimately, that might explain why she's my ex-girlfriend. Eighteenth of November, Durex Thin Feel condoms, pack of thirty. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what that is? It's because I'm terrified of buying condoms in uh, the shop. Of course you are. Um, well, we all are. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't want people to know I'm sexually active. So mm. I um, buy them online in bulk, you know. Um, mm. And also, genuinely true, um, if you go on the condom section of Amazon, it does offer you used and new. Um, 
genuinely true that that's good to know I don't, I'm 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 all, I'm all keen for a bargain, you know, but that seems too much for me. What's the photographs of products uh, game like on that part of the Amazon website? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just split condoms. Uh, we'll give discount. Um, that's good to know. Good to know. Okay, good. All right, we're crashing on through now. Uh, we're in 2018, Steve. You've bought a lot of wooden hangers. Ah, yes. I remember this very clearly. This was, um, I guess, part of growing up, probably had curtains by now. And I was thinking uh, I want to be the sort of person who has matching hangers for all of my clothes. That guy. Um, that guy. Tom Cruise, basically. Yeah, basically the king. Yeah. Um, and I I thought, because I had a lot of those wiry, shitty ones and just like yes. plasticky ones. And I was like, you know what? This is quite an easy thing to solve. I can afford hangers. Let's just buy wooden hangers. And you know what, mate? I've never looked back. It's one of the best decisions I've ever made. Every day I look at those wooden hangers and think, that is fantastic. I am a better human being than most people. That's what I, I think. I cannot tell you how many times I've gone out with shoulder nipples. Do you, ever, do, do you, know, do you know about the shoulder nipple syndrome? No. So I have used uh, either hangers from my wife's clothes and on one occasion a hanger from my child's wardrobe, which I stole, wow. Wow. Put, put a freshly laundered T-shirt on it. And because the hanger is small, it uh, the T-shirt hangs off it uh, at a point about halfway towards the shoulder. So when you put the T-shirt on, it stretches the material and you get shoulder nipples. Ah, uh, yes. And I, I've lost count of the number of times I've been out with with shoulder nipples so if you see anyone out there with shoulder nipples you'll know they're not a steve bujaya kind of guy they're not a wooden hanger person they're not a wooden hanger person you know what tom if you want as a present mate while you're on my amazon uh, account right now you just click on those hangers and order yourself some hangers go on as a little steve you are you 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 serious this is yeah do it just order yourself some hangers mate that's that's just in all my god i'm getting emotional in all my time of doing this podcast no one's ever done that no well, I just, I, I'm serious. I would love it if every morning you got a jumper off a hanger and thought of me. Just every <laughs> single morning. Okay. Do it. Okay. Just right. click on it and do it. It's fine. That's really kind of you. Thanks, mate. How many, what, I mean, how many ordering? Just, just, just so we know. Three what? packs of four. <laughs> Chuck in. 55 hangers. Chuck in a Samsung Galaxy. <laughs> Great. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Uh, all right, listen, here's what we're going to do as we get towards the end of Mommy Bought a Toaster. Steve, this has been an absolute delight um, tracking your successful journey to um, to comedy brilliance and, of course, to uh, eventually moving back to a market town. Um, yes, inevitably. Not that there's anything wrong with market towns, have to say that. Um, now, uh, let's do a quick lockdown special. Shall we? Should we have a little, little bit of lockdown let's love? Uh, 2020 came along and... Um, stopped all of our lives of course and uh you know what over the year not many orders only 30 odd orders yeah. uh so that's that's pretty sensible i'll be honest i've seen much worse than that um okay um you have bought i mean we're talking about hard drives a two terabytes external hard drive two yes. terabytes it's a good little blue thing i've got it right in front of me now it yeah. served me very well oh, that's lovely oh i love i do think there's a i should do a patreon special which is just hard drive chat <laughs> yeah because it's yeah oh, i think that would go down really well really really well people would definitely pay for that um what about this uh, 19th of may 2020 in the middle of the lockdown you bought the confidence code tell us about the confidence code oh, right yes yeah. so and this is a book so i had an idea that I, I sort of wanted to write about confidence i'm sort of fascinated by where confidence comes from um I go to therapy quite a lot and I sort of talk about low self-esteem and those sort of issues that all comics sort of suffer with, or like everyone really overall. Mm. Um, 
And I'm sort of fascinated by where confidence comes from and whether you can sort of manufacture it, I guess. Mm. And it was something I wanted to write about. And then, so I found that book. But that book in particular is for women. Uh, the, oh, the, yes. The what women book, should know. What women should yeah, know. Yeah, what women should know about confidence. And the whole book is like women in the workplace getting shouted over by men. And I'm honestly reading it going, this, yes, that's me. I'm like that. I, you know, I don't, I don't stand up for myself. I don't assert myself. In, you know, and I always focus on the negative things I've done and not the positive. And I'm, I honestly related it to it so hard, but I'm conscious that it was not aimed at me. <laughs> and I almost feel bad. I feel like the authors, who are two very successful women, I believe, um, like a Google exec and something. Um, yeah. I feel like they would be angry if they knew that I, <laughs> that I read it. You know, they're like, God, you fucking, you're a man. You've got everything already. You don't need this. So, well, okay. So, so for example, when you were in the process of writing the sitcom, which is mm. a very, very sort of, um, uh, you, you have to collaborate a lot when you're doing that. And you, you're, do you find yourself not standing up for stuff because you think, oh, I don't want to have the argument and I don't want them to hate me? Maybe it's a little bit of that. I think the biggest thing for me was I just never felt... Um, like I was good, you know, like I always felt like imposter, whatever I was doing. And I now, I think honestly in the last maybe, maybe a year, six months, a year, uh, I feel much more content. I'm much more like, no, you know what? I've done really good things. I'm proud of those things. I've also done some bad things, but they don't define me. Um, and I think that honestly, that book helped loads. And there was a few other things I read that were like it, but just like having a core sense of self that's based on, um, not needing validation to feel mm. good, basically. That was that was really where this, the confidence comes from. Knowing that you're good at something is like that's got to be the hardest trick in life. And I and when I say it, it's really important, the the word knowing is doing a lot of work in that sentence because you can sort of think it. I I, I think yeah. I'm quite good at certain things, but actually that's that's riddled with doubt and that's flawed. But I, I exactly that's and that's where I was. Yeah, I don't know that I'm good at stuff. The trick I learned in the book was to pinpoint moments when you have definitely been good at it, like objective moments. You know, like to say if it's stand-up, it's a moment where you've just nailed a gig mm. um, or a script that's, you know, got good feedback or you know, that kind of thing. And just like remember them, write them down. So whenever your confidence goes a little bit, you just go back to that moment. You go, well, no, I was good then. Like maybe I've had a bad day today, but I definitely, it doesn't define me. The bad day isn't it doesn't completely cripple my confidence. It's like you look back at the good things. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, a very good system uh, until you realise that the, the, uh, the time you've written down you were good at something uh, is now sort of like an old yellowed parchment stuck on the wall. Yeah, <laughs> so long ago. So long ago. No, it's excellent. It's excellent advice for, you know, obviously it's not just people who work in creative, the creative no, world. It's, it's, it's all everything. the stuff, all the things. Everything. And it's friends things as well. Whatever. It's like, yes. am I a good friend? And then you think yes. back to a moment like, no, I was a good friend then. I definitely was and I can do that again. You know, it's like that teaching yourself if you've done it before you can do it again so you know you don't have that imposter syndrome of like oh it's just, I've, I've lucked out it's like no you didn't luck out you you can do it again you can replicate it yes 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 good okay i like this good positive this good positive vibes at the end so i got quite deep did it not funny no, no, stuff no. at the end just uh, oh no that's really. fine i like that i like that um uh we've got a uh yankee candle <laughs> fuck <laughs> Oh, this is awkward. So December 2020, you bought a Yankee candle. Who, who's, who's this for, that Steve? That will be for my uh, current girlfriend. Um, so, bigger? Is it bigger, at least? It is. 
Substan- it's £23.99. Well, there you, there go. you go. There you go. I, I've learned. I've learned my lesson. Talk about a happy ending. For the economists, you have we can measure out your life using simple economics. For the girl who sadly it didn't work out, you spent four pounds on a candle for her at Christmas. And for the girl who you're still with today, twenty three ninety nine. The yeah. the facts, the maths don't lie. That's very no. pleasing, Steve. And That's the candle's still burning, you know, it's still there. Oh God. Oh god, that's beautiful. That might be the most beautiful ending to any episode of My Mate Bottle Toaster. Who knew that you could be so happy with a Yankee candle, large, scented candle, lavender and oak, mate, burning up to 150 hours and, and I'm adding this on, for life. Oh, beautiful. Wow. Yeah. Listen, Steve Pedrea, I think you're absolutely brilliant. Buffering the sitcom is out now. You're going to be out there gigging your absolute tits off in the future as well. What's your um, Twitter bits for people to all give you the follows? Um, it's at Steve Ujaya and Instagram is Steve Ujaya Comedy. Um, if you, Ujaya is a nightmare spelling. It's Bugger B U G. E-J-A Bug-Edger Bug-Edger Steve Bug-Edger um, thank you so much for coming on my mate Bought a Toaster this thanks is- so much for having me Tom it's been really fun and thank you so much for the hangers that's really really kind of you <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> think of me every day I can. oh what a lovely boy <laughs> he's not a boy he is a man he is a man he, we know he's a man now uh, because of the razors and the candles and the condoms. Um, so listen, thank you very much. That's the end of this episode. Um, I'm going to, as I said at the beginning of the episode, I'm going to take a couple of weeks off. I'm interviewing loads of people over the next two weeks. Uh, so we are stacking up with new apps um, for, for part two of this season. So help yourself to a little half-term, a little hiatus. Listen back to old episodes. Do other things. See your families, guys. Yeah, Be with the people you love. But then obviously when we're back, sack them off and just listen to this. All right, all the best. Hi, I'm Scott Hancock and I host From Queer to Eternity, a new podcast exploring what it means to be queer. Well, we have conversations like this. I look at younger generations and go, you can just Google this stuff. The fact that the only mention of queerness was don't get AIDS. <laughs> if I'd been marrying a girl, that would not have happened. Maybe we can find a, a universality that, that we weren't aware of before. That's why this podcast's so great, because actually, well, I guess we just don't think to speak of this stuff, and yet it's part of our fabric. From Queer to Eternity, available to listen to now from the Great Big Owl Company. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.